So I look back and I think about everything, the good, the bad, all of that stuff. And I'll say it with a smile that I'm able to pull something valuable from each of those experiences Mm -hmm. to bring me to where I am today. And no, I wouldn't change anything. back to Empower Your Life show with me, Cindy Marie. Today's episode's main highlight is the gift of pain. One of many situations that tested my faith and hope in life was when I moved to Singapore for more possibilities and opportunities in career-wise. I remembered how much I felt so down and homesick because this was the time that I was by myself. Though, finally, it's great to live independently, it's tough when you're in a foreign country. I often called my siblings and cried over the phone about how much I miss them. I will say this every after the call, why me? Why me? It's tough. I don't think I can take it. Please help me. It took me a long time to get away from being a victim to being the owner of my life. And so today, with our next guest, not only he will share some of his ups and downs in personal and business life, but he's also going to share with us practical tips in entrepreneurship, relationship, and more. With yours truly, Cindy Marie, I'm hopeful to continuously bring value and a great resource or tools to empower your life. So enjoy. Our next guest, he's a speaker, philanthropist, author, and entrepreneur who has experienced highs and lows in his personal and business life. He believes that everyone can change or shift their perspective on fear, pain, and current circumstances and use them as a fuel or fuel to create an amazing life. In this episode, we are also going to dive in into his book, The Gift. Okay, so let's all welcome our next guest, Tony Kitchens. Hey, Tony, thank you so much for being here. Hello, Cindy. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to our conversation and hopefully the audience will get something out of it today. I'm sure they will. Awesome. Awesome. So, Tony, um, the gift of pain, right? I am curious, and I'm sure that many of our viewers or listeners also curious that when exactly that perspective has shifted through your experience from, I would say, being the victim of the circumstances to seeing that as a gift. So share with us your story. Sure. Thank you. That's a great question. Anytime anybody ever hears that phrase, whether it's the book or just in general, they look at me with this puzzled look. They say, Mm -hmm. what does that even mean? And to explain it very simply, which is you may not be able to see things differently during the event or during a time that you're having some challenges. But if you can look back after a period of time has passed and change your perspective, Mm -hmm. then you may be able to see some gifts that you were given because of that pain. Mm -hmm. And that's what the premise of the idea is, is, but in order to see those gifts, we have to change our perspective. We can't look back at those situations and think about how bad they were and 
how traumatic they were. You look back and ask yourself, how am I different today? What mm -hmm. am I doing differently today? And that's the shift in the perspective. The events are mm -hmm. what they are. The pain is what it is. But if you can look at it and say, I'm a little bit better because of that, that's a gift. Mm -hmm. So now I believe that everything that's happening in your life, you have already seen the gifts in it. Either, either you don't understand it yet, you don't see what's the possibility of the gift behind that. But share with us, because for those many people who have yet to grab their own copy of the book, share with us one of the story, perhaps, of, let's say, the painful situation in your life that in the end, you realize, oh, that's actually a gift for me that preparing me to become more resilient to the upcoming chapter of my life. Would you share with us one piece of the story of your life so people can really relate that, uh-huh, that resonates with me? Of course. I'll, I'll use the example of Hurricane Maria. All right, yes. other, yeah, other difficulties in life may seem like they're just for you. They just may seem like only you experienced it. But take Hurricane mm -hmm. Maria. I lived in Puerto Rico at the time. This is in 2017. Mm -hmm. And it's an island. You can't go anywhere, <laughs> right? So we got, by the time we found out that the storm was going to actually hit, we mm -hmm. had maybe about 24 hours, 36 hours to prepare. Mm -hmm. And that hurricane hit on the southeast corner of the island. And that's exactly where I lived, my wife mm -hmm. and my son and myself. And I just remember that night, it was September 20th. I remember that night about seven o'clock, I had done everything I could, closed all of the storm shutters because you have storm shutters. You live on an island. You know that this is part of it. And the generator was filled with, with diesel. And I had done everything that I could do. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the way it is in life, Cindy, where we prepare as much as we can? So yes. I did everything that I can do. And I just laid down in the bed and went to sleep. <laughs> and this was a major storm. They knew that it was going to devastate. I remember about six or seven months after the storm, because we didn't have TV for like four months, power, oh. anything. And I remember when I finally got to see some of the footage of the newscasters, I just remember one newscaster in the States and his final words on his news, on his weather report was pray for the people in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I'm thinking, what did my family think or friends think when they heard that type of language from this expert about what was going to happen? And mm -hmm. to, to talk about the storm for a second, I mean, it beat us up. That storm crawled. I think they said it traveled at about six to seven miles an hour. And the mm -hmm. thing about a hurricane, like in life, you want the pain to hurry up and leave. Okay. Well, this hurricane sat on top of us for hours and hours and it just beat us up i mean after the storm that next morning well the next day sometime we went outside and it was like a bomb had gone off mm -hmm. i looked out the backyard there was not a green leaf on a tree on a bush on a plant nothing there was no mm -hmm. electricity no running water no phone service internet banks were shut down grocery stores Nada. Police, nothing. Just imagine yeah. the end of the world. That's what it was like. And 
when you fast forward, as I look, think about it now, mm-hmm. there were about 4,000 people that died between that night and a couple of weeks after because of the damage and because there was no refrigeration. People didn't have medicine for diabetes. People had breathing treatments, didn't have power to get their machines running, ventilators, mm-hmm. none of that stuff. It was just terrible. So I don't want to say that it was a blessing that those people passed, but when I look at all of the little things that happened after that, for example, how the community came together. Yes. And at our house, we barbecued on our grill and we invited everybody that we could physically go talk to just come by the house. We had Mm -hmm. a bunch of water stored up, come by the house. We had a satellite phone, come by the house to make calls. And the blessing from all of that was there were there were many blessings but one of the blessings was that we got to experience humanity at its best yes when everybody came together and they were helping everybody else mm-hmm. and you had to walk and speak to people because you couldn't call or text anybody yeah and it was amazing seeing the young kids riding their bicycles, <laughs> going to visit their friends and leaving handwritten notes on the door. So we went from this devastation to this time where life went back to what it used to be when I was a kid. And people communicated, people helped each other. Mm. And people were so much closer after that. Mm. And it took that storm in that particular point of time to show people more about humanity. They didn't talk about politics. They didn't talk about this, that, or other. As soon as you saw somebody, how are you doing? How's your family? Yeah. So I look back, it was a blessing. There was a lot of damage. Our house was was tore up, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I would would relive that in a heartbeat. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting when you're sharing the story in the book and I have told you this that when I completed reading the book I feel so moved that I I'm I'm part of the the story I was just like behind the scenes it feels like I'm watching a movie or tv show and and one of the things that I would just share a bit because anyway I have shared to people the introduction that you're a philanthropist I am I, I was so so touched what you did there during this, I mean, after the storm that you use whatever you have, you use yourself as a tool to help other people, especially like the satellite. That was so, so touching because a lot of people, you know, when you, when in this book, you mentioned that a lot of people crying that they man- they managed to speak with their family members. And like what you said, it's the same thing that having that barbecue time and having that community really gathering together that by end of the day, really it's about humanity. And I love you, you mentioned that because this is one of the things that I advocate strongly um, by end of the day, whatever that things that separate us right now when it comes to external or tangible stuff if all those things will be paced off or deleted whatever you call it it's going to be us that will be left over and so what we're going to do instead of using that ego whatever just use and practice the love by end of the day if you practice the ego 
you're not going to feel fulfilled or satisfied with looking at a lot of people that devastated with that situation rather than on the negative side use that as a gift that how can I serve and how can I help and I'm glad you share that and it's super super touching and and I'm, I'm really proud of what you did and what you're doing because you're still doing philanthropical activities yeah thank you and I'm sure you've heard this before I'm sure the audience members have heard this that when you're dealing with something tough, find a way to help other people and it will minimize what you're feeling about your own situation. And that's mm. exactly true. And as much as I did personally, my wife did a thousand times more than I did, mm -hmm. literally, because her and the ladies from church, there were only about five or six of them. They would meet up at our house every day. And we had a garage mm -hmm. full of supplies because there was another hurricane, Irma, that went north of our island just one month prior to Maria. So we oh, stocked wow. up all a garage full of supplies because we were going to take them on our boat over to Tortola in the mm. British Virgin Islands. We had a we had a garage full of water and tarps and batteries, flashlights, everything you can imagine. And it was interesting. We had to use that for our local people. So they would meet at our house every day and they went out for weeks and weeks and weeks and they found people sitting literally she tells the story one man was sitting in his living room mm -hmm. his whole roof was gone and it was raining wow. he literally just had four walls he's sitting there in the chair everything is wet including himself mm. he had no family you can't communicate with anybody he's mm -hmm. just literally just sitting there this older mm -hmm. man and they found him they were able to get him the, the supplies that he needed and and more importantly just the fact that they saw him and they talked to him was huge yeah and there are thousands of little stories like that where our humility and humanity kicks in when we're going through periods of of difficulty and sacrifice and everything else mm-hmm mm -hmm. I love that. And I'm going to cut it there. We are not going to discuss further so people can grab your copy because people out there, um, when I usually read a book, I tend to really spend my time carefully. And um, I told this to Tony that he, he's such a great storyteller <laughs> in this book because um, I love the, the approach of the book. It's, it's, how can I say this? It's really more of the storytelling rather than uh, strategic, you know? Uh, so I love that idea because it's more moving. And, and not only that, I'm going to proceed to the next question because you also tackle or discuss in this book about the entrepreneur world, right? Your highs and lows in that business life. And from your experience, I'm curious, what are those two not three, not four, not five, but just two uh, suggestions that you could share to people out there listening or watching right now that thinking to move from working to starting a business or people who are already growing their business. And yet perhaps this two particular mindset that truly vital or important in based on your experience that you could share with us. 
Absolutely. The first thing, probably one of the most important things that an entrepreneur can do is to find a mentor. Mm. It is, I'll, I'll tell you, Cindy, it's, it's to say it's important is an understatement. It's so vital for you mm-hmm. as the business owner to have a relationship with another person who is in business or has been in business because mm-hmm. you're going to experience a lot of different emotions mm-hmm. more than you ever thought that you would. And that mentor or that trusted advisor that you have is going to be there to put everything in perspective for you. Mm-hmm, you're going mm-hmm. to be feeling horrible one day and they're going to say, it's okay. I felt horrible many days. You're going to be so excited. You got some sales today. You want to be enthusiastic and everything else and that mentor that advisor is going to say enjoy yourself but tomorrow's a different day that's true but they're going to help you put that in perspective so that was the first thing find you a mm-hmm. mentor immediately the second thing is as i would say is start with the exit in mind mm-hmm. as soon as you say i'm going to start a business the next thing you should say is how am i going to get out of business Oh, and wow. <laughs> here's why that's important. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's vital because if you don't know what your exit is going to be, you're never going to plan the right way to grow your business. Mm. If you know that you're going to go to school for four years, you know that there's a graduation date. Right. Mm-hmm. So what that what that does for you is it lets you know, okay, I need this number of credits. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to be there for this period of time. Okay. So what yeah. happens is, yeah, you make a decision, say, oh, okay, I don't have time just to play or to wander around. Well, it's no different in business. If you say in 10 years, I'm going to sell this company for X amount of money and I'm going to go do something else. I don't know what that is, but I'll decide later. But I, this business has a 10-year life. That's it. Not a mm-hmm. day more. Then when you start creating a marketing plan, it's mm-hmm. now limited in scope. When you figure out how many clients you need to have, now you know you need to get clients even faster than you thought before. Mm-hmm. It just gives you the ability to have a schedule, to have a time frame to achieve yes. everything you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Because Cindy, if you don't have an end date, if you don't have an exit plan, you'll just wake up every single day and just do more of what you did yesterday without mm-hmm. any type of goal or strategy. Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned uh, I was about to ask like would that be related to time frame or timeline and you mentioned that because you know what's so interesting about my experience with other clients of mine when I asked them well do you have a timeline and most of the people they would say oh actually I don't have a timeline I said well then it's actually great for you to have a timeline so you would know that this span of time you're going to dedicate whatever you're working on and if it it doesn't work or it works then you know what will be your next step and I gl- I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, would that be like really something? This is my curiosity because that's the first thing that I that I have thought when I when I moved from being in a corporate world to the entrepreneur world that I've got to put myself with a timeline. And what 
what would you think for other people why it's becoming not becoming but more on a sense that they miss this out is there anything that you think that they're missing this particular mindset because of they don't want to be pressured they don't want to be limited what do you say it goes exactly toward what you said which is the mindset and when most people i would imagine think about starting a business there's a few things that come to mind. Any client that I've ever had, this is what they'll tell you. I want financial freedom. Mm -hmm. I want to be my own boss. I want to control my own schedule. Mm -hmm. Those are nice. You can do those things if you win the lottery. That doesn't make you a business owner. It doesn't make you an entrepreneur, right? It just means that you just don't want to report to anybody else. You want to live your life on your terms. You don't have mm -hmm. to be an entrepreneur to do that. However, when people decide they want to be an entrepreneur, 90% of what they need, they're missing up front mm -hmm. because they think about the product or service that they can offer. And that's great. Offering a product or service is much different than running a business, mm -hmm. taxes, HR, hiring and firing, contracts, all of the things that go into a business. How do you get customers? How do you keep customers? Mm -hmm. And when you talk about this truncated time frame, then you realize you have to take the emotion out of being a business person. Oh, yes. <laughs> and to your point, the emotional thing is, let me just get in and I'll figure it out and I'll take my time. No, that's not it. You're getting into this business because it had you have a goal in mind, personal goal, family goal, whatever that goal is. And mm -hmm. every goal needs to have a time frame. Every goal needs to have certain objectives you need to meet along the way. A business mm -hmm. is no different. So the idea that you can just jump into business and not have a strategy or not know when you're going to get out or not know how you're going to get out, what that tells me is, is that people are thinking emotionally instead of strategically. Mm -hmm. And there's a little bit of both that you have to do, but yeah. you have to be way more strategic than, you, than emotional. Because your emotions will lead you to make bad decisions. Mm. And that exit will probably never happen if at all, or mm. it may be a bad exit. You may be forced out of business. So I think that as business owners, you have to take the emotion out. Just a real quick example is everybody talks about Bill Gates and, and Jeff Bezos. They're so okay. rich. Why don't they just stop? I would go and relax <laughs> on the beach. Right. <laughs> That's what you would do, because, again, your goal, your strategy to get to that goal is different. Their mm -hmm. goal is not just to make money. So they yeah. made all the money that you could make on Earth. And if you look at them, you say, why do they keep going? Because their goal was never just to make a whole bunch of money. Mm. It's to continue to solve problems. So if you haven't solved all the problems that you thought you can solve, no matter how much money you have, you're going to keep going. So they're in it from a non-emotional standpoint. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love you mentioned subtle about the, the intention because I'm just going to integrate in the mentor, having the mentor, you're going to have a powerful conversation with the mentor, right? And I think with mentor or yeah, whatever advisor, consultant, those people who would really help you professionally to build your business. 
I think, in my opinion, it's really having the the deeper understanding of your intention by asking why. Why, 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 why? <laughs> Until you have maybe 1,000 of reasons why, then maybe you will be safe. Do you think that it's really important to understand your why before you're going to hop in into, into the entrepreneur world? It's one of the most important things. It is. Again, the, the, you, you're going to develop a product or service solution. That's mm -hmm. great. That's nice. And you're going to sell it. You're going to, every single day, you're going to wake up and try to figure out how to sell more of those things. Why are you selling those things? Well, I mm -hmm. want to be financially free. Okay. Why? Here's the coach hat, right? Why do you want to be more financially free? Well, as a coach, what are your intentions? Mm -hmm. What are your desires when you speak about being financially free? I just want to have mm -hmm. more money and enough to do anything I want to do. Well, what do you think that's going to do for you and your family? Well, we just won't have responsibilities. So as you keep digging into that, why? N none of those questions were answered. Mm -hmm. Every single day when you wake up, if you don't have a reason why you're doing what you do, and that reason is compelling enough, and you feel it with your heart strong enough that as soon as there is any hint of adversity, as soon as you lose a client, as soon as the client doesn't pay you on time, now you're frustrated. Mm. You think about giving up. You want to quit. You think about the security you thought you had at a company. And mm. that was way better than me having to figure this out every single day. Why you're doing it is extremely important because that's going to help you push through all of those things that you go through every single day. And once you're able to push through those things, that's when your business will start to grow because it takes a long time to build a business. It's not quick. It's not mm -hmm. easy. It's hard work. Oh, yes. really is. <laughs> but your why is really important. And the why could be as simple as I have a, a, a kid in college. Mm -hmm. Your why is I love my husband and I want to make sure he's retired in five years. Your why is I want to help my parents retire. Your why is I want to contribute more to charity. Mm -hmm. There has to be a reason that's way more important than the objections that your mind is going to present to you. I love that. Oof, that's super powerful. <laughs> and so this next question that I have I'm going to ask you, this is actually part of your book. Once again, I'm not going to share the detail why, but I'm going to ask you if you could turn hands of time from all of the experiences that you have in life, personal or business, what would you do differently? Or would that, would you do differently? Oh, great question, Cindy. Let me think <laughs> about that. I'll, I'll make it, I'll, I'll think about it really quickly. I would say that, and this is cliche, that I wouldn't change anything because I wouldn't be who I am today without those experiences. And I don't necessarily live with regret mm. because as I look back, like one of the things when I was younger, I wanted to do, I wanted to be in the army full-time active duty. But here's again, the why wasn't as strong as why I wanted to be in business. Mm. So that's why I was in the army part-time in the reserves and business full-time, right? Because my why was stronger. So I look back and I think about 
everything, the good, the bad, all of that stuff. And I'll say it with a smile that I'm able to pull something valuable from each of those experiences Mm -hmm. to bring me to where I am today. And no, I wouldn't change anything. Even Mm -hmm. just, even when I'm in just the toughest of times, I wouldn't change it because when you're going through something difficult, you can actually feel the change happening in you. Yes. You can feel your mind starting to approach things differently. You can feel your body starting to adapt, your heart starting to adapt to situations that you weren't as empathetic about before. And I say, oh, this is how people feel. (laughs) And I was telling them all these years, this is easy, just get over it. Oh, this is what they felt like. It's not that easy. So that's what I would say. I I don't have any regrets. I wouldn't change anything. I love it because if someone actually asked me the same question, I would say the same, that I wouldn't change anything and I wouldn't have any regrets, even though there were a lot of painful experiences that I had, but I don't think if I have experienced differently, then I wouldn't think I will be as resilient as who I am right now. So yeah, that's a great answer. Thank you. And Next controversial, I would say, question, because this is very relative to a lot of people nowadays. Uh, I I would just kind of like relate it to social media, because uh, one of the guests that I have interviewed, he mentioned to, to our conversation that their relationship is based on social media, that they post uh, whatever that be and they you know like they're sitting on the sofa and then they're looking at the phone and then they're updating one another but that's the kind of relationship that they have so in this very very noisy and destructive world I would say with this advanced technology that we are not trained properly we just like you know that's it you're gonna figure out on your own and so my question to you is that how to be a supportive partner and also a parent, especially in this noisy and destructive world. Oh, that's great. And yes, that's very controversial. I would have to, <laughs> sit, down. Have to sit down with that guest that you had. We have to have a conversation. About <laughs> <laughs> Just give, give us a little bit of glimpse that maybe we could have a lot of a, a different episode that we're going to dive into that more. <laughs> yeah, I, I would just tell I would tell that prior guest that you're there, but you're not there. Mm-hmm. And and you're in you're in love with an idea, maybe not necessarily the person, mm-hmm. right? So, but we can move on beyond that. It is noisy, Cindy. It's extremely noisy and destructive. The thing yeah. that I would say about social media, when you really think about it, it's antisocial. Mm-hmm. It's not social. You can like somebody, you can like a comment. Somebody can post a picture of a relative that recently passed and you click the like button. There's nothing to like about somebody passing. Mm -hmm. But we're so used to just liking things. I think it's because of the instant gratification, the becoming sense of worth of our lives or our sense of being. Yeah, it's keeping score. You you log (laughs) into Facebook or Instagram, LinkedIn, and how many followers did you get from last night? How many people liked what you posted? And then what happens is you go to those places for a sense of belonging, for a little bit of 
good news in the midst mm -hmm. of bad news. You go there because you're hoping as soon as you log in or as soon as you open that app, you're hoping that someone has seen or acknowledged something you've done. Mm. But it's not real because mm -hmm. you haven't done anything on those platforms. It's either an image or it's a video or it's text, but you haven't really done anything. So I think if we find a way to get back to personal relationships yeah where you sit across the table from someone and you speak to them like you and I are looking at each other eye and eye right we see each other so I feel mm -hmm. even though we're not physically in front of each other but I feel like I'm just having a conversation with you yes right that's much different than us talking or if we were texting each other yeah because I can't see you smile I can't see you know anything. If your husband walked in, I couldn't see that. I couldn't wave at him. Hey, how you doing? It's, <laughs> it's so impersonal, this social mm -hmm. media. And what happens, Cindy, is it detaches us from reality. Mm. One of the things that, and I spoke about this a little bit in the book, one of the things that we did with my son was we decided that we wanted to go on road trips. And from mm -hmm. 2016 to 2019, every summer we took off the whole month of June. We were gone for about four or five weeks were on the road, just driving across the country in the United oh, yeah. States. I love that. <laughs> and I'll tell you, Cindy, that it was the best. I mean, we look at that as some of the best time because we're stuck together in this van. <laughs> we're not on social media. Most of the time we didn't have the radio on because somebody was asleep. Either my son or my <laughs> wife was asleep. But for us to be trapped in this vehicle together for a month, Mm. and talking and laughing and experiencing different cultures and different people and different places it was just extremely it was just an amazing time mm. so we were physically together I see people now you walk down the street there at a restaurant three people at a table on phones yeah they might as well stay home and text each other <laughs> because they're not there and then what yeah. happens Cindy is humans start to feel like they're not seen and they're not heard mm. even though they're around a lot of people yeah. so they're surrounded by people but nobody's looking at them and nobody's talking to them because everybody's on this phone mm -hmm. and that's the dangerous thing because ultimately we want to be seen we want to know that whatever we're dealing with that somebody hears us and somebody mm. cares about that and somebody mm. says, Cindy, it's okay. Yeah, I've been mm. through that. Or I understand what you're going through right now. Let's let's just, me and you sit down, we'll grab a cup of tea. Let's just talk. Tell me what you feel. Mm -hmm. And you want somebody to look you in your eyes and say, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But social, quote unquote, social media has taken that and just thrown it in the garbage. And, and it's given us a sense that we are more connected and we're actually less connected than we used to be. Mm. And so I am curious, do you have some sort of rules at home when it comes to, I, because I don't know whether, um, let's say your son, well, your son no longer lives with you, no? He's in college, yes. Yeah, he's, so, he's okay, state. so between you and your wife, um, do you have that kind of rules when it were by... We are only allowed to check our 
gadgets at this period of time when we are together or we are not actually allowed to touch, to open, to check our phones when we are having a quality time. Do you have that such of rules? If so, could you share with us, if any? We, we don't have a rule, but I think what happened though, Cindy, is just by practice, mm. we've become very independent of our gadgets. For example, my son, he's 20 years old now. Mm-hmm. I remember he would leave his phone in my bedroom at night for days. He didn't want to be bothered with it. Now, this is this is when he was 16, 17 years old. He had oh, a, wow. he, he's had a phone since he was about seven years old, right? Mm. Because we you know, we traveled a lot. So we would he would have a cell phone, not a smartphone. Mm-hmm. But he's so used to not having this device tethered to him, constantly looking at apps, that he was just, even when he's here visiting for Christmas or the summer, his phone, he won't touch his phone for hours or days at a time, right? And then he'll have a hundred phone calls that he missed, right? But he tells us it has expiration dates on it. So if you call him and you miss, he misses your call, after three days, you need to call back. He's not going to respond. But my wife that. and myself, I would say she probably checks social media more than I do. Mm. But I don't, there are certain things that I don't do. I just, with my phone, I keep it near me when I'm at home in case mm-hmm. my son calls. That's it. If someone texts me, chances are I won't immediately look at that text message because mm-hmm. I know if he needs something, he's going to call. So if people know to call me. That's the most important thing. But I'm not on social media all the time. I'll get on and do a post for mm-hmm. business yeah. and get right back off. Yeah. I would I would say in the course of a day, literally, I would spend probably five or six minutes on social media for the whole day. Mm. That includes me posting and me checking, not necessarily scrolling, looking for, you know, cat videos, but just <laughs> checking to see if I have comments from a business standpoint that yeah, I need yeah. to address. Mm. And my wife is the same, but when we're together, we're out in public, we don't have our phones looking at social media. Mm. We're sitting at home, we're watching a show. No, Being you know, present. We, we are completely present. Yeah, completely. I love that. I think, uh, yeah, this is what the the technology is separating us for being, you know, present. And I love that. So for many people just to share some maybe strategies or routines that you have, and we also want to know, you know, because you shared with me that you have new business Uh, ongoing and so that makes you also very occupied on top of the speaking events uh, having these guestings and all of that and I'm curious how do you keep yourself optimistic and what are your suggestions as well for other people that could perhaps experiment uh, as a as a optimistic approach to have their life to be in a more positive perspective yeah that's a tough one (laughs) <laughs> because I, I want to tell everybody to be very optimistic. In reality, though, all of us, all of us, mm. at some point, it could be two o'clock in the morning, but all of us have this sense of reality that kicks in. Mm. And that reality could be, you know, I've been working my butt off and I'm just not seeing progress. Mm. I've been, you know, putting in the work, the effort, and I'm not seeing the results that I want to see. 
And it's not that you question everything, but you question maybe your approach. And you say, okay, when is this going to change? When is this going to improve? That's mm -hmm. who we are as humans. And we should not deny ourselves that emotion, that feeling, because from that emotion, we realize that we're human and we need other people maybe to help. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing. When we allow ourselves to feel what we feel, we're, we're quicker to get help because of that. So if we go through life and pretend that everything is good, there are no issues, why do you need people to help you? So I think that yeah. that's extremely important. The way I stay optimistic is to, to keep myself moving forward, no matter what. Mm -hmm. When you're having a bad day, I try to figure out, I'll create a little project to do something. Mm -hmm. I'll create something to do. Let me create a, let me write a couple of pages, just of notes, something, and I'll share it with somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Or one of the things I love to go walk because it clears my mind mm -hmm. and it takes whatever you're dealing with and it puts it in the back of your mind. So I love to do that. Basically what I'm saying is if you sit there and allow yourself and allow your mind to con continue to tell you how bad things are, they will become bad because you're not making any progress. So whatever mm -hmm. it is that people are dealing with, what I would say is find two or three things to do that are going to move you forward. If mm. you're in a bad mood, you're having a bad day, go for a walk, for example. Mm. It seems simple, but trust me, if you're moving forward, the endorphins in your body are going to kick in. You're going to feel better. Get some sunlight. That, mm -hmm. That's extremely helpful for me. I mean, coming from Puerto Rico to Georgia, we had sun all the time in Puerto Rico. I mean, you mm -hmm. felt great all the time and optimistic because it was bright outside. So don't mm -hmm. underestimate being out in nature. Mm -hmm. As far as business and career is concerned, how do you stay optimistic? I think, again, it goes back to that why. The important question mm -hmm. you asked earlier, why are you doing what you do? And if you can remember why you're working hard, why you started this business, why you're in this relationship, why you have this kid, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you can remember why, then you're going to start feeling good about it because that why is always based on you being happy. You really think about it. Yeah. Why do you want a better relationship? So you can be more fulfilled inside and you can make that person happy as well. Why do you want a business? So you can provide for yourself, your family, and your community. That's a very positive, happy emotion. Mm -hmm. Us finding our why and sticking to that why. And just know that everything that we're dealing with today is going to pass, good mm -hmm. and bad. The successes yes. won't be there forever. The failures won't be there forever. And if you keep moving forward and every single day that you have life and breath in your body, you can make a change. And mm -hmm. that in itself is a very optimistic point of view. Yeah. And you mentioned that in your book, this too shall pass. It always <laughs> does. Yes, I love it. I love it. And and I just want to add one thing uh, when you mentioned about moving forward. I think majority of us are very hard to ourselves. You know, one of the things that I love to practice would be be gentle, you know, like 
when we caught ourselves that we are in a very negative perspective or state of mind, we allow that to be in that moment and accept that, okay, I am feeling this. It's all right. I'm a human being. And, you know, maybe just give yourself love that we all deserve to feel love and to give ourselves love. And from there, then you can have that moment of, okay, I feel love now. My energy is getting better. How can I move forward? What will be my next step? Because I see this, especially for hyperachiever, you just want to keep on, on and on and on. And you have this guilty feeling that, oh my God, now I'm having these chatters in my mind. What am I going to do? But instead of keep on judging, you know, sabotaging, it's like you just embrace that and feel that for a moment and then give the self-love. And then, you know, eventually that judgment will slowly I mean, of course, it will take time, especially if you're too busy in your thinking. But if you allow yourself to really have that self-love of giving yourself a permission that you are entitled as well to talk nicely to yourself that, hey, you know, I've been doing a lot. <laughs> so give myself tap. Uh, but uh, yeah, I understand that I'm having all of this negative thinking because of, let's say, in the business, you know, I have employees to 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 take care of, or I have these kids, I have this wife, and I can understand that it can be overwhelming, but also understand, give yourself love. So, and then that state of mind will eventually tell you with the walking outside, will clear your mind and, and will give you some ideas uh, what to do next. So I thought that will be great to add because again, we are so hard to ourselves. Do you agree? Absolutely. I think you mentioned that. I'm glad that you mentioned what you just said about self-love and giving ourselves a break. When I was growing up, I read biographies and autobiographies. Mm. I was I was just infatuated with hearing stories or reading stories about people who overcame just great obstacles my mm. whole life. So now it's not surprising that I would write a memoir talking about similar things because it had an impact on me although that's not why I started out to do it but the the part of the resilience that I have is having experienced a lot of things good and bad and and gotten through them so that's part of it but before that I think the natural question would be well what did you do before that mm -hmm. and before that, I had many examples of how other people that I never met, how they were raised and the experiences they had in life and in business and the successes and failures. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, wow, I didn't even realize it about that person. For example, take Elon Musk. Everybody knows Elon Musk, mm -hmm. right? But the thing is, when Elon was a little boy, he would just stare off into space. Every now and then he would just stop what he was doing in school, at home. And he would just look up at the sky and just pause. And he wouldn't speak for mm -hmm. many seconds and sometimes many minutes. And everybody thought he had a problem. Everybody. As a matter of fact, the school even, in the story that I read, the book, the school even considered putting him into some type of special program or mm -hmm. For psychological reasons, because they thought that he was just, he had a, a mental issue. Mm -hmm. 
And when I read that, I'm thinking to myself, wow, I mean, imagine the parents feeling that something is wrong with your child mm-hmm. and nobody can tell you what's wrong with them. As a parent, you don't have control. And that's the worst thing is a, a child who's sick or not, not well, and you can't fix it. So imagine putting yourself in this parent's positions, but then come to find out later in the book, he was actually, when he was going on pause, he was actually envisioning himself going to outer space. Hmm. Well, now it makes sense that he has a company, SpaceX, <laughs> that's going to outer space. He was literally envisioning and manifesting what he's doing today. Yeah. But to read the biographies of these amazing people and see what they overcame, it gives you a blueprint. It gives you a roadmap. And it also demystifies these very successful people. Yeah. You think, wait a minute, these Bill Gates was sleeping on the floor for many years. Yep. Mm. He didn't get along with his parents. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the things that all of us go through. Yeah. Right. And it gives us a roadmap. He changed that relationship. The relationship with his parents changed. So the point I'm making is, is before we learn how to overcome challenges and obstacles and to really Mm -hmm. persevere, one of the things we can do is just look around and see who else is doing it. If you don't Mm -hmm. like to read, look around just in your, in your circle of people, somebody has been through cancer. Someone mm-hmm. has been through the death of a loved one. Someone has been a parent to some really bad kids, the little demon mm-hmm. children, <laughs> right? <laughs> Someone has been through whatever you're going through. Yeah. And if you just if you just open up and just say, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? This is yeah. what I'm feeling. This is what I'm dealing with. Do you have any perspective? Can you help me just put this mm-hmm. all together? That vulnerability yeah. will make you strong. Yes, yes. That's the key. I, I love you mentioned that vulnerability. It's so, so, so powerful. And I love that additional information that you just shared. And so, unfortunately, this is the end of our conversation. But <laughs> hey, for many people listening or watching right now, and if you find our conversation with Tony super amazing and you want him to come back, just let us know, drop a comment in, in the, the, the podcast or in my blog. And then we'll be very happy to have another deeper conversation with Tony. And of course, Tony, for many people to support you or grab your, your book or to have you on a speaking events or to have you as a mentor or a coach or consultant, where can they find you? Thank you for that, Cindy. It's been wonderful hanging out with you. I mean, just an Thank absolutely you. great time. People can connect with me in an easy way, TonyRKitchens.com. Mm-hmm. All my social links are on the website, phone number, email, everything is there, TonyRKitchens.com. TonyRKitchens.com. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm going to include that on the blog in a podcast anyway. And Tony, before I let you go, I have a bonus question. <laughs> so okay. because in this book, you you talked about friendship as well right? The the importance, your definition of friendship and the importance of it. And so my question is that, what's your suggestion to people out there who are continuously keeping themselves attached to superficial friends that they know no longer serving them? However, they're not able to break it up because of the fears 
and whatever fears that we know, reason of circumstances. What's your suggestion with that? Yeah, if you have someone around you who you're keeping there, but you know they're not good for you, it's not a healthy relationship, mm-hmm. it's probably because you have a feeling that you're going to not be seen or not be heard. You're keeping them around probably just for self-gratification as opposed Mm -hmm. to really getting something from them. And you're not serving yourself, let alone them serving you. The thing that I would say is I limit the number of friends that I have and it's by design, it's by purpose. And I tell my friends, I only have a few, I tell them that in order for me to do this right, I can only have a certain number of friends mm-hmm. because I am present for my friends. We are emotionally attached mm-hmm. and we want the best for each other. Mm-hmm. So if my friend is saying, I'm going to go do such and such, then I'll say, Hey, don't do it. Whatever that is, whatever that is, or yes, you should definitely do that because that's going to help you. So we want the best for each other. So if someone is there and they're negative, if someone is trying to get you to do things that you don't want to do, if someone is trying to convince you to think differently about things and you know that that's outside of your moral ethical value system, Mm -hmm. then you don't need them in your life. Mm -hmm. And I've had to to stop talking to quote unquote friends (laughs) because once, you know, and I still keep them as associates. Mm. But I can't have them in my ears and within my eyesight every single day because you know, Cindy, the type of friends who would just wear you out and wear you down. It's always something negative. It's always the world is after me. And how do we, as that friend that they're speaking to, how do we continue to stay positive so Mm. that we can continue to make the world a better place? So I would just tell people that, it may be a little difficult up front to release people, but trust me, once you do, you'll feel like you've done something for yourself that you can never, ever get that feeling again. It's such an amazing feeling when you can purge the bad things out of your life, whatever that is. Amazing. Amazing. I love it how we end up our conversation with the friendship that you also truly value. And I love it. And it's part of the book. And so everyone, that's TonyRKitchens.com for you to connect with him. And if you find this conversation or episode super valuable, super helpful for you and your friends, feel free to forward or share it over. So the more that you forward or share it over, the more that our Empower Your Life will grow. So until next time, thank you, thank you so much with yours truly, Cindy Marie, to Empower Your Life. Thank you, Tony. You're welcome, Cindy. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy it and find it inspiring and motivating. For our podcast to continue to grow, please leave us a review of say what key takeaways you want to share or the insights you have learned from this episode. And remember, stay optimistic and take action slowly but surely for your big dreams. You are unique and have the gift to share and touch many people's lives. So keep moving forward, stay focused, believe and take action. Thank you once again and I'll see you on the next episode here at Empower Your Life.